Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, joined by Aaron Keller, as usual. And then today, we actually have several people joining us over the phone from our Las Vegas office. We have habitat biologist Sam Hughes, game biologist Joe Bennett. It is awesome to have you guys. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you for having us, Ashley. Yeah, glad to be here. Of course, and as we were saying right before we started the podcast, you guys have been busy down there. People may have even seen your name in the news or on our social media because we've been talking a lot about emergency water halls to um, to fill our guzzlers around the state, um, basically to keep our bighorn sheep, keep providing them with water. So I know you guys have been busy. Yeah, last year we um, moved about 125,000 gallons, uh, mostly under helicopters, but also um, with pumps and fire hose, things like that, and a truck. And this year we've done roughly 70,000 more gallons on top of it. We have had a break. We've had some monsoons come in that we haven't had in the past couple of years. And it's definitely helping fill those guzzlers back up and, more importantly, it's helping the range conditions uh, before those rains hit and, uh, the forage and everything else that other wildlife depend upon was getting, it was getting pretty bad. So it's not just the water into the guzzlers. It was the range conditions overall. The, the mountains down here definitely took a hit from the drought. Exactly. So for people who don't know, you said you guys were busy hauling water to fill guzzlers. What is a guzzler? Let's just start right there. Sam, could you explain that? Yeah, so Guzzler is basically an artificial habitat improvement project that incorporates collecting rainwater and storing it in tanks, and then it goes to a drinker, um, wildlife-friendly trough. Um, they're composed of three main components. There's the apron, which catches the rainwater. Um, there's the tanks, which is the storage for the system. These can go from anywhere from 300 gallons for um, small games such as quail and chucker up to uh, 19,000 gallon systems like you see in the muddy mountains um, to see Las Vegas that uh, are targeting desert bighorn sheep. Okay and then in a typical year these would fill with rainwater and it helps provide sheep with water but this year we weren't getting that which is why you had to do those emergency water holes that you had mentioned right? Yeah exactly so it's not typical for us to do to haul that many gallons. In the past, we have um, we have had to hit some high use places like a project here or there in the McCullough's or the Muddies or the Bears. Um, but for the most part, you know, having to hit, I think it was over 40 guzzlers in 14 different mountain ranges, um, that's never really been seen before. I think it was about 2002, they had um, an event kind of like this one, but it was not as catastrophic. Um, over the whole course of pretty much southern Nevada, where we were having to haul water to just about every mountain range down here. Wow. And then, um, Joe, could you explain the importance of these guzzlers? Yeah, so the majority of these water developments are built in areas. 
where they have plenty of forage for different ungulate or hooked animals or bighorn sheep and other wildlife. But where water is a limiting factor, it's important to mention that the preponderance of rain here in the Mojave Desert falls between November and March. And when you don't have that rain, first off, you don't have the green up that is associated with those that rain where these bighorn can pull off the um, water developments because if it's hot and dry, they're, they're more reliant on that free water where they can't get the water from the plants. So if they're not getting water from the plants, they're having more of an effect within a couple miles of these water developments and putting more pressure on the vegetative component because we can, water is the one tangible thing that we can provide on the landscape. And, but it does get to a point where if it stays dry long enough, where the vegetative carrying capacity or the, the amount of animals, the vegetation or the landscape can hold is exceeded, at which I don't believe we've met that threshold on our bighorn populations, even during this drought cycle, because a lot of our bighorn populations are lower in numbers. But that's about what I would say right now. Yeah, I guess that makes that does make sense. I guess it just kind of clicked in my head as far as vegetation lacking. They don't get any water from that. Um, no, when it's when it's dried out, Aaron, it it actually takes bighorn more water to to digest that vegetation, and so therefore they have even more of a reliance on those water sources, increasing the drawdown rate and creating honestly, even more reliability from the, the water standpoint. I mean, we build these guzzlers, like I said, in areas where water is a limiting factor. And I would be remiss to mention that since the 1960s on, that these water developments in our Bighorn Sheep program has went from about 2,500 individuals up to over 12,000. And it hasn't just been in Dell. I mean, I'd be remiss not to mention our NGOs or non-governmental organizations and sportsmen's groups such as the Fraternity of Nevada Desert or the Nevada Bighorns Unlimited, um, Fraternity of Desert Bighorn, Elko Bighorn, Fallon, um, all, all NGOs, even for mule deer and elk have contributed. Yeah, that is another thing. Um, we don't, these guzzlers aren't just there for bighorn, right? I mean, we have guzzlers that benefit all wildlife and so by putting that water back into the guzzler it's benefiting a lot more than just bighorn i mean bighorn is kind of the the keystone kind of wildlife that are that are utilizing it but there's tons of other wildlife that use these that is correct um we have as you get farther north from clark county i mean there's specific pronghorn or antelope guzzlers mule deer elk i mean we even have our upland game guzzler program to benefit um, upland game and small game species and fur bearers. But, I mean, when we put out trail cameras on these water developments, we have everything from golden eagles to deer to bobcats to bighorn sheep to small mammals. I mean, it's, everything utilizes these water developments. Yeah, and um, a few weeks ago we talked to um, Jason about how reptiles are even affected by drought and so it's it's just interesting to think how how lacking um 
we are of water and how it affects everything almost instantly if we don't get any rain like you said from november to march i mean that's a tough makes it tough to get through through the long summer yeah and I, another thing that the that i shouldn't fail to mention is we see it with all of our species the effects of drought on everything from the young of the year i mean when we do our annual deer surveys there were a lot of areas that had poor bond recruitment or and um and other species as you work your way farther south there were some portions in the northern part of the state that received a little better precipitation receipts that maybe didn't see the same effect but i mean it affects everything from the body condition of the mother to the fawn to the chance of that fawn surviving and so on and so forth and even with lambs and ewes yeah that's interesting and uh i kind of wanted to step back to I mean, the reason that we just brainstorming had decided to have you guys on or asked to have you guys on is we've heard you guys' name a bunch lately. And uh, just maybe just for anybody listening, just explain kind of what goes into hauling water or taking water out to these, you know, remote locations. So most of these locations, especially for Desert Bighorn, um, involve a helicopter we used contract helicopters. We used our own agency helicopters. We used anything we could get our hands on. And it involves um, bringing out water trucks to fill up 3,000-gallon pumpkins, which is kind of it's almost like an above-ground pool, but it has a big foam ring. And the helicopters can tip a Bambi bucket. We were using a 220-gallon Bambi bucket. And it's the same thing they kind of see to fight wildland fires with. It's, that, it's the exact same equipment. And they dip that Bambi bucket into the pumpkin, that above ground pool, and then they move it up to the mountain. And at first we're dropping it on the apron. And a lot of these aprons are steep, so the rainwater can flow down to the gutter. Um, we were losing more water than we liked to, so we've kind of evolved the program in a short time to set up a, what's called a husky fold tank up top. And essentially they're just dropping it into another I guess it's, a, it's like a little pool, 1,400-gallon pool you can set up in uh, only a couple of minutes. And they drop it into that, and then we just pump it into the tanks. And um, since we've adapted to using those, we about 90% of the water that comes off of the bottom of the mountain makes it into the guzzler. Yeah, that's a whole production, man. I remember seeing the first um, – not the first, I shouldn't say – the first water halls of the year last year – and watching the videos of, of dropping it on the apron and just the rotor wash and everything, just kind of spraying water everywhere. Man, you guys are some smart fellas figuring out to put another tank up on the mountain and then dump it in. Oh, yeah, it was a collaborative effort. We got some great pilots, and um, they, they knew what to do to, you know, capitalize on our efforts. Um, I guess a big misconception is that we can we can just fill up any project whenever we want it takes for example Cyram up in the muddies it can take up to two or three days just to put a dent in it um even though you know the system's 19,000 gallons and when you're only getting 200 gallons into it at a time it's uh between fuel stops and everything like that for the helicopter it's it's a process and so then when you guys do it do you guys target like a certain percentage of the guzzler to fill up then or do you just top it off or how does that How's that decided? 
So last year, with how bad things were, um, it's cheaper just to stay in one area to get that guzzler to the level you want it to be. But when we realized exactly how bad things were last year, we had to put a Band-Aid on things in the beginning. So we put a little bit of water in each project, and then we went back and we put considerable amount of water after that. Right. There's places in the McCullough's where we had to haul two, four times last year. Um, we didn't get any late summer monsoon activity. We didn't even get any rain into the winter time. We were uh, we actually did a few projects into January hauling water. So typically this year um, we, we were we were expecting it more, and we would just fill those guzzlers up as much as we could to the level uh, of the use on the project that we thought was sufficient, but. Um, yeah, last year it was it was more of a band-aid effect, and then going back and putting water in it just to keep those bighorn sustained through the 115 plus temperatures we got. Yeah, I guess you're just kind of in survival mode at that point. You're just trying to help as best you can everywhere. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I guess a couple quick things there, and it's in the height of summer. You know, we're we can predict that drawdown rate pretty well. We estimate for an adult bighorn sheep about a gallon and a quarter a day. And we know we have a pretty good sense either through information from the public or our, or our own trail cams or just being in the area, the number of sheep that are hitting the area. And so we can estimate that drawdown rate pretty reliantly. And I've, I um I just remember last year when I was doing a bighorn sheep flight in Muddy Mountains with our southern region game biologist Pat Cunney. It was September 30th. We were flying over Muddy Peak and it's their Jerry and Safari, and it was probably the worst day of my career seeing those water developments dry and the events that occurred around them. And the next day we were hauling water and we hauled water for 14 days straight because these flights indicated just how far and wide our problem was of dry water developments with the, I believe 2020 was the driest year on record for Southern Nevada. Wow. That's well, crazy. we're going to take a quick break, but we will be right back. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are joined by Sam Hughes, our habitat biologist down in Southern Region, and also Joe Bennett, a game biologist. And we've been talking about guzzlers, which are these basically man-made water devices, drinking holes for um, bighorn sheep and other animals. And right before the break, we were talking about how many bighorn sheep utilize these and how some of them are its priority for bighorn sheep. But a lot of other animals use these too, right? Yeah, so we have specific guzzlers, like I mentioned in the first segment, in Lincoln County, Nye County, even as you work your way all the way up into Elko County and Mineral County, that are specific for antelope, pronghorn, eel deer, elk. I mean, some of our most coveted areas in the state, like in Lincoln County in 231 and 24, 
um, those mule deer populations are completely reliant in some areas on these guzzlers or water developments where there's not enough natural water to sustain the population that could be there. What were you, I'm trying to remember, Joe, in the first part of the show, you you threw out a stat, and I don't want to, like, glaze over it, but how many, ga- you said a gallon a day for each bighorn? Yeah, it's just over a gallon the height of summer. We estimate about a gallon and a quarter, obviously based off forage conditions or vegetative conditions. If they're getting a little more water from that feed or if they're um, able or if temperatures are cooler, you know, that could obviously fluctuate quite a bit given right. on the year. But when it's dry in these drought conditions and that forage is dried out and it's just taking a little more water to um, break it down it, it could even be more which we in some areas expect it was a little more over these drought conditions yeah that's interesting to me and then do we i mean are other species do we have that figured out for other species or is that pretty kind of just general um, like deer elk antelope that and sheep um well the sheep are you know they'll really hone in on these water development project so it's easy to estimate how much drawdown they're going to put per guzzler um you know things like elk if you get a herd of elk that moved in they can almost drink an entire guzzler dry in one go and that's what they'll do they'll hang out they'll hang out on that project until you know they need to go somewhere else so you'd actually this summer you'd actually start hauling water into some elk and antelope guzzlers i know sportsmen and ngos out of lincoln county They've uh, taken it upon themselves to move water up into some of the important elk guzzlers as well. Yeah, I think. Aaron, yeah. Aaron, a couple things I would like to mention on that is once you get a little farther north and a little higher in elevation, um, you start getting a lot better forage component and there's a lot more natural water. Right. So these other animals aren't just solely reliant in most instances, just on this one singular water development in that given area. Yeah, that's a great point. I guess I was was just thinking of just the animal itself, not necessarily where they live. And so, yeah, that's a great, great point. And so when we haul water, we do this huge effort. And then like Sam said, you know, you kind of cover the whole area. Do we plan on going back into these areas to haul more water or... I mean, we've gotten some rain, so that's probably helping. Yeah, so we, as Sam mentioned earlier, we we flew every water development, essentially, in the southern portions of Lincoln, Nye, and all of Clark County this past weekend. And really, there's only three mountain ranges that we need to monitor to any large extent right now, and that's the Hikos in Lincoln County and the Bears and Specter Range in um not the southern Nye County and northern Clark County. But I, with the monsoonal precipitation we've been getting, so not only does that precipitation fill these water developments, we did see a lot of evidence of erosion and green up of vegetation. And not only that, but the terrain that these bighorn live in, there's a lot of rock features that hold catchments of water. So they, you know, you couple that with cooler temperatures and they're able to disperse away from these water sources a little more, just alleviating some of those pressures. Yeah, exactly. So a good, a, a good indication of that. Uh, um, you get two main rock components of the mountains down here. You get kind of a volcanic um, formation and limestone formation. And volcanic is 
is great in some of those ones where you don't see before we had these monsoons you would have saw large populations of bighorn um, just locked in on the guzzlers and uh, when we flew them we realized that there was less pressure on the guzzlers sheep were really spread out they were a long ways away from the water development being capitalized on all these water pockets um, when you hike up some of these dry falls down in the mojave desert you can see natural big rock formations where you know, a monsoon can fill up easily a 50 of sometimes even 100 gallon little pocket of water in, in a series of rocks and um that that does take a lot of pressure off gugglers yeah we were talking last week that um you know bighorn sheep rams just cannot wait to get off of the water developments like it's their they don't necessarily like them right they're ready to move oh, during the rut, they start to, you know, they want to, they want to get out and they want to find some ewes and they start moving around a lot and, you know, they, they go into the rut when it's very, very hot outside. So, um, yeah, they're covering a lot of ground. Uh, the, the mature ewe will you know, lead the group, but um, those those rams, especially mature rams, they're on the move when it's hot out. Um, they're they know where the guzzlers are and they will they will hit multiple of them and when just when times when you think that you would want to be moving around. Yeah, and by by Rudd, he's just mentioning the breeding season and and majority of the Mojave Desert for bighorn sheep, that happens in the height of summer. We're talking the July, August time frame where you'll see a ton of ratting activity. You'll see a lot of rats moving larger distances. Um, it would be important to mention that during the height of summer, you know, most of those sheep, say 85 to 90 percent, are usually within a couple miles of those water sources. And then the other percentage can get out to about four miles. But that's, uh, I mean, that's just kind of what their life history is going to be with the breeding season during that time frame. Great information, guys. Um, really I think is. anybody listening would, is, I mean, it's very interesting to hear you guys talk about this and it's funny we kind of glazed over that you guys being out there and doing the hard work and how hot it is down there um i mean you guys are working day in and day out in 100 degree plus weather um just to make this happen and and i appreciate it as somebody that lives in nevada and um how rewarding is it to kind of see those water developments fill up and you know, know that, that you're helping out wildlife. You know, Aaron, I, I find myself looking at weather dopplers any more that, or more than I thought I ever would these days. And I, as I mentioned earlier, when I was doing that bighorn sheep flight at the end of September last year, it was, we did see a few bighorn mortalities associated with dry guzzlers, and it was probably the worst day of my career seeing that. And so just the fact that we can respond coupled with our, you know, we can make calls into NGOs and have funding available for this, as I mentioned, non-governmental organizations, and just respond so quickly. It's one of the more rewarding things that we do that's part of our job. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And um, Sam, what about you? Um, well, for an example, I haven't seen a, you know, we haven't seen full guzzler in a long time. And after this monsoon stuff that just happened, um, I think there was a few trail cameras on that guzzler. And when whoever looks at those and watches me walk up and see 
those guzzlers in the northern end of the McCullough's for the full for the first time in two years. They're gonna they're gonna be a pretty funny dance across the mountain there for a minute. <laughs> That's awesome. Who has this video? <laughs> <laughs> He's not gonna tell you because yeah, then he'll post it. It will go on our social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these these water developments are definitely a part of our success, and I. I mean, I take it to heart. I think it's our responsibility to make sure that they provide water for wildlife that we may depend on them. Yep. And so last thing, um, we're kind of running out of time here at the end of the podcast, but hunting seasons are wrapping up uh, or starting up, I should say. Um, Anything that you want to let hunters know or people that are out and about know about or if they're visiting guzzlers or any of that they see one what should they do if they think it looks low that kind of thing or looks good right you could would that would also be good information yeah so we so we rely on a lot of hunter information for reports we actually in our bighorn sheep letters that we sent out this year and our bighorn seminar indicated that if you're if you're coming across the guzzler not only do we want to know that information please take a picture if it's a self-leveling system take a measurement um, just the best to your knowledge, but that picture speaks more than a thousand words. And if it's a float valve, please do not mess with the float valve. Just indicate if there's water in there and take a picture of the drinker. But on the side of the tanks, there should be a ladder at each one of these systems. Now, it, just make sure you're comfortable. Don't do anything that's going to hurt yourself. But then you can even tap the side of the tanks and see where it's hollow versus where water is. Or you can, there's a center insert in a lot of the tops of these tanks that you can take out. But please don't unthread the actual tanks themselves because, as I said, they're a while. They're difficult to get back on. But if you see anything good, bad, I mean, we, we want to know about it. And honestly, an endow email that we gave to all the bighorn hunters was endowgame at endow.org. And we're not bashful if you want to submit an email with any of that information because we we would like to know sooner rather than later if we have a problem. Yeah, exactly. The, a, a big thing is anyone that's planning on spending a lot of time in the mountains and coming across one of these projects, if you just bring a tape measure with you, um, there's two types of guzzlers, and um, you can you can tell exactly how much water by looking at the project is in there if you have a tape measure. So. Um, Take measures, pictures, we can use all the information we can get. Great information for people to have. And thank you so much, both of you, for joining. People are going to love this information. So we appreciate you guys being here. Yep, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Of course, and that does it for this week's Nevada Wild. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.